<laughs> Welcome everybody to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 14. My name is Jim Stewart. Today with me is Matt Martin. Not just today, but Most times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most times he's here. And we're back from our Independence Day break. We decided to take a week of the fourth off because we're just busy dudes. <laughs> Truth be told, we had full intentions of recording a podcast during the break. And then we, were, we just found out we're busy dudes and it, it didn't work out. We were like, you know what? It's just going to have to wait. Everyone's going to understand. Everyone's probably on the road or camping or barbecuing or whatever. Yeah. And, and that's just the way it went, guys. So we apologize, but we are back in full effect as of right now. We've got a hell of a show lined up for you. So let's get cracking. So, Jim, did you do anything awesome this Independence Day 2017? Spent a lot of time with family, Matt. Um, I uh, designed a few more knives. I sat around, and I played some video games. This would be a good time to say, yeah, my sister got married during break. I was I was getting to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting to that. <laughs> yeah. No, I was trying to downplay it because I thought that there was, like, a joke there, but I guess not. <laughs> so, my sister got married, man. Um, yeah, she married. She married... Uh, a good friend of mine that I've known since high school, his name's Nick Tr- Nick Troutman, and he's he's a great dude, and they are super happy. I've never seen my sister happier with a guy. I mean, I, I didn't think it was possible because usually usually she always has something to complain about, you know. As far as as far hang as on, guy- just one second, we're gonna rein this in real quick from behind the blade <laughs> podcast to what Jackie complains about in boyfriends. So <laughs> just rope it right back in so- just a little bit. But yeah, I'm glad to hear your sister got married, yeah, bro. She, 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 yeah, no, she's super happy. <laughs> Reeling all that back in and focusing on what's important, knives. And, you know, what, what else? What did you work on? I know I caught you at the shop uh, a couple times after hours. Today, it's a, you know we're recording this on a Saturday. The, sh- the plants closed. The Bark River plants closed, and I, I went in to do some work. And uh, you were there. So, what have you been working on in the periphery? It's uh, it's been razors mostly. Um, designing designing um, a like couple s- of straight razors. Straight razors. Oh. Yeah, designing designing a couple of straight razors. A commissory. I think the last time you were there it was the the one that I'm planning on doing with somebody else. That collaborative one. Yes. 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 That was that was that was that was that one. I won't so, say too much. Nope. Yes. Mm-mm, not yet. Yeah, but yeah. but keep an eye on our personal on our personal stuff, our extracurricular activities, if you will, from this podcast, and you you guys will I'm sure will you'll see that. Hell yeah. I've also got the uh, the the first prototype in the actual production version of the Marauder series that I'm doing for Bark River, which is sweet. Yeah, it's, that's very yeah, cool. It's going to be a very cool knife. Um, and the entire thing behind the the the, the Marauder series is that it all they all have that exact same handle. Which and, is a dope handle. And, I mean, I've seen yeah. it on your your bigger ver- version that you made. Thank you. And I really liked it. Yeah, a so, lot of crazy fit and finish going on. In there. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm trying to go above and beyond, and I'm, I'm trying to mid tech it. So we'll yeah. see how see how it goes. Sweet. So all right, what about you, Matt? What'd you do, man? Uh, it was our anniversary, our dateiversary, I guess, as the lady folk like to call it, on the fourth of July. On Independence Day itself, we actually spent that at uh, the London Bridge in Arizona. Our first date was at the London Bridge, and then our wedding anniversary is today. So oh, uh, yeah, so we've happy been together. anniversary, man! Thank you, sir. We uh, Jenna's thrilled that I'm here instead of at home with her. By the way, and uh, <laughs> sorry, Jenna. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> let's see, 14 years we've been together, married for sevens this year. So yeah, pretty cool. So we went, got some furniture, did some cool stuff like that, and uh, I've been kind of putting the boots to some custom Kudo Mises. In the vehement shop, um, and just we were talking before the show, just a kind of whirlwind of media right now that I'm trying to accept <laughs> and understand, digest. Yeah. I would I would say just trying to digest 
a little bit of crazy <laughs> hype that is not by my hand going on on social media, and it's it's pretty exciting. It's, so, for you guys out there in the trench crew, uh, hang in there because it gets weird <laughs> when things go well. <laughs> Trust me on this. Yeah, it gets and, weird. Yeah, things are going really well for you yeah. too. I mean, like you've got like a grassroots movement. Almost like for your knives. Yeah, I, it, I, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> I wish I was clever enough to say it was by design, but it just happened that way. So yes, um, I guess uh, we're we're technically in the news segment, but we missed you guys. We want to give you a little personal background as to what was going on um, to keep it relevant on news. And forgive me, because I'm about to uh, drop a cuss word. But why the hell hasn't the governor signed the switchblade ban repeal in Michigan? <laughs> I, it's been on his desk for weeks. Since June 22nd, I believe it was that's, brought right to Yeah, the, that's yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. By that's my math? Two, yeah. More than one. Yeah. So, yeah, you're so good. So, we're in weeks. We're in weeks, <laughs> plural. Why is this archaic law still on the books? It's passed Every level of government getting to his desk, it probably has, I don't know, 14 unique coffee rings on it from where he has set down his cup 14 times and yet to sign it. Just make your mark on the line. What's our... I've just moved here. Snyder? Snyder. Snyder. Governor Snyder. Snyder. Governor Snyder, I am appealing to you directly right now, maybe even imploring you to sign that bill. Let's get this done so I can carry all my autos and not worry about the man coming down on me. <laughs> and so, no, it's just, it's dumb. Let's just get it knocked out. And that also clears us to, you guys will hear it here first. I'm going to whisper into the mic so nobody hears me. That also clears us to manufacture switchblades in the state of Michigan. Does it not? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> good thing we didn't already design one. Oh, oh, oh well, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all we're all waiting for Governor Snyder to hit to, to pass that. It was like a it wasn't just like a like like a, like a heated contention and a debate about this. It it passed both the House and the Senate with like a resounding. It was like thirty seven to one. Yeah, it was what like thirty six to one in like the Senate, and in the House there was also like one nay of all of 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 of, of both houses. Which that guy's obviously in, or lady. Obviously an a-hole. Let's be honest. Let's be <laughs> frank and candid. Ladies, here. ladies can yeah. can be a-holes just like dudes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Uh, okay, what are you carrying, bud? All right, man. I am carrying um, a knife that I'd gotten forever ago that I totally forgot that I had until I was looking through my knife drawer. So it's Bark River, but it is a loveless style city knife. Yeah. And and this is a very comfortable, very comfortable handle, and it's in a great steel CPM one fifty four. Nice. Well, one of my one. favorites. Yes, I agree, man. And uh, it's got a bolster. It doesn't have a guard, but is it's got a short... stainless or aluminum? Stainless. Stainless. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. That, that's, I like, that's I like stainless. when you guys use stainless. Yeah, no, I do too. I do too. I think things just come together really, really neatly. The, the engineering on this one was pretty spot on too because actually, instead of pins that hold it together, there are little eighth-inch head Corby bolts. With, oh, no kidding. With, with uh, yeah, with, with 332nd, uh, with 332nd and I think 256 threads wow. in them. So you guys so, may not know what a, a Corby bolt is, uh, using the jargon of the knife-making world. Right. But if you can picture a smooth cylinder with a step or a shoulder, as it would be called in manufacturing, that comes to a shorter smooth cylinder and then a slight shoulder, again, or a step, that leads to a threaded portion, both male and female, on opposing sides, what you have is you have these two picture barrels with posts that screw together, and that 
actually squeezes the handles together. Different than like cutlery rivets where they're just pressed together, mm-hmm. right? Right. So it actually, they act as their own clamp. And that's what holds the scales on. And in the hafting process or the process in which the guys shape the handles on the knife, they grind the drive head off, which is a flat head drive. So a right. negative blade versus a Phillips, which is a positive blade screw. Right. Uh, they grind that smooth. So it looks like a straight pin. But what you actually have is you have both a chemical bond in the form of the epoxy that these guys use. But you also have the mechanical bond of a screw clamping the scales together so it's a really bomb proof method of construction and uh i know bark river does it a lot of guys do it mm-hmm. we actually don't we, we, <laughs> we don't, we don't right. do that at all and you, never you, have you guys have your own re- uh retention methods which, which work just as well yeah. too. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. but uh but uh, yeah that's what i'm carrying i'm carrying it inside of a inside of a pocket sheath so it's just a, a, a it's got a two it's got the pocket sheath that has two throats in it but i only use one side um and what's then the other one for um, whatever, um, like Wait, a space pen or a flashlight yeah, or, right, yeah. or, or, or whatever you need, a fire steel, I'm sure you could fit in there, oh, just, yeah. a, just, a t- just an entire ferro rod or just fill it up with tinder or just something else. But yeah, that Pretty goes, cool. that goes right in my back pocket and it sits offset enough that I'm not actually sitting on the knife. Oh, it so, just hugs the seam or yeah, the pocket. Exactly. It just yeah. hugs, it just hugs the seam and then you don't even feel it. You get used to it really easily and that's cool. And yeah, and, uh, that's what I'm carrying today. Sweet. So what about you, Matt? Good, sir. Let me see. All right. Let's start with the easy stuff. My Sabenzo. That's a staple. Yep. Staple in Matt's EDC rotation. Uh, and I was carrying a multi-tool for a while, but I went back to my demo knife. <laughs> so, <laughs> demo knife. The demo knife is cool, though. I mean, it just it just looks awesome. Yeah, I just yeah. you know what I tell you, I use it so much. Like I use it so much. The stupid little all thing on here, I use it for everything. Right. Oh, you and, know what? You know what? I think I figured it out. Huh? I think I figured it out. The tools on your demo knife are not as awkward to use on the demo knife as it is on a multi-tool. Maybe that's what it is. It doesn't you know? take me 14 steps to access it. Right. But, yeah. And then when you're holding it and you're using it, you're still holding a tool and it's comfortable in your hand. Yeah, it's got a, a handle. Brick. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely... Maybe that's right? what it is. It's not like a VHS with a shitty pair of scissors. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, right. but like a crummy pair of scissors coming out of it. Um, I've got... Uh, there, here's a little uh, foreshadowing. An Ek Commando... Bowie style warrior variant with the blasted and the uh, stainless steel stamped cross guard, double coin guard. I love these X. I love X commandos. So we'll get back to that maybe a little bit later. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll you're see. gonna you're gonna go into detail about that. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, but one of the coolest things. This is actually a mail call. This came to me today from a good friend of mine. Down at Copus Designs. Wait a I, minute. Would that be John Balatzis? It would be, with, John. With the promo code behind the blade to save 10% off all of purchase, every every purchase in a store. Oh, did he give us a promo code? He, he's, it's still active. Oh, sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, it's you guys, active. get a load of this. So I'm just talking about this because I got in my SDK. <laughs> um, but yeah, go ahead. If, if you can loophole or backdoor that run the copus what is it behind the blade podcast copusdesigns.com behind the blade podcast all one word for 10 percent off everything in the store easy peasy and yeah. for you guys that are just tuning in it's k-o-p-i-s copus as in the fighting sword right so check them out copusdesigns.com but i got in there yeah, let's talk about this if you go to their website you will see some really well shot videos like promo videos they were mm-hmm. uh for, across Several shops, but one of the shops that you'll see in there is ours, the mm-hmm. vehement shop back in Colorado. Um, I had a very, very, very minuscule hand in the development of this product, so I don't want to be like, oh, this is partly ours. 
Um, uh, Johnny really did all this on his own and, and with some engineers' help and stuff like that. I basically told him, "Don't do that. That's dumb." Or do that. That's cool. That and I think five times collectively I did that, and so that's it. So this is the Copus SDK sliding tool and knife, and it is. I mean, it's pretty sweet, man. I gotta say, it's a it's a multi tool type setup, so it's it's very unique though. It comes on a six AL four V chassis, um, which in this case was anodized, kind of this iridescent bronze color, which Ooh. turns purple with oxide, but you wipe it off and it leaves like it's really cool looking. Huh. I dig it a lot. Uh, it's got double ball detents. Uh, it slides OTF, so it's an out-the-front sliding knife, which hasn't been done before to the best of our knowledge mm-hmm. when you see it in this format. So it only has uh, the titanium chassis one-sided, and on the top side you can actually see the blade or the tool itself. And then it's got some really aggressive jimping on there that allows the flesh of your thumb to press into it, and it gives you enough traction or purchase to launch that knife out the front. It's got a cutting edge, um, so if we're looking at the obverse and it's in the horizontal position, Cutting edge will be down. The uh, it's got a scraping edge, which would be to the left, almost like a, a flat pry bar style oh, tip. Oh yeah, look at that! It's got a flat head screwdriver, which also acts as a pry bar, kind of on an oblique on the top side. And then it has a bottle opener, which, by the way, guys, I'm real finicky about my bottle openers, and half the bottle openers that come in knives suck. Mm-hmm. Um, this one worked flawlessly. I had it, oh, like, nice. cracked a couple beers with it, and it worked really well. But what's cool about the bottle opener, I don't know if you can see this, Jim, is it's actually oh, half a... of a hexagon, or I should say, I guess, five-sixths of a hexagon. <laughs> it, it, it's the important parts that make a grab. Yes, yeah, so you can put any quarter-inch driver. Yeah, oh, right. And nice. use it as a, which I thought was cool. It's got a lanyard loop on it. I mean, it can work as a money clip, although it is a bit stiff for that. It would definitely hold your debit card and a couple bills. Mm. Um, I think it's S35VN is the blade steel, if I'm not mistaken. And mine came kind of custom tiger-striped because oh, yeah. I'm a freak for that. <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. I thought it came out pretty hot. Oh, man. It, it, it's almost like apocalypse purple midnight watch. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet st- looking. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty radical. Cool. I mean, it's Somewhere between the apocalypse and maybe like an African Freedom Fighter Fighters Nissan truck, <laughs> with the zebra. <laughs> right. and they've got the machine gun in the back. You know, I'm, I'm gonna go hunt and some poachers, so, yeah. man. That's no, it's a uh, it's a pretty rad little unit though. I really like it. It's it's really not too bulky and it is super tough. And he did a good job getting everything to secure. Everything's really tight on him. Oh yeah, which this is, is, this is, is hard really enough in a um, in an advancing frame lock like the Sabenza, where you have to worry about the lockup being too early or too late, and it's got kind of a radius cut into it. The SDK, I mean, it's bank vault. I mean, it's tight. Yeah, this thing, you could run this over, and it'd probably still work fine. This oh, thing, yeah. This thing's, this thing's really, really nice. It's well-engineered, well-made. Yeah, so, good job, Johnny, man. I I, I hope, I think I'm com- I think I'm getting one, too. Sweet, I, yeah. I've got one coming. It's just, you know, it was sent to the shop, oh, so yeah, I'm not yeah. getting it until Monday. Yep, yep. So, but that's okay. It's nope. a... You know, absence make the, makes the heart grow fonder. Indeed. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm super stoked to have this. You know, I, I've wanted one since the project began or mm-hmm. from inception, and, and now I have one, a little piece of history. Pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, so go check those guys out at copusdesigns.com. That was not a commercial. This is actually a mail call. I'm excited. Yeah, I ordered it, this. It, it, was off, it, was, it was a little bit off the cusp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it just, just <laughs> but, came out. But there it is. Yeah, it's totally, totally ready. Well, uh, I, think, I think that kind of wraps it up for segment one, good sir. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I so. think so. Uh, everybody stay tuned. We'll be back with some history.
And we're back! After a couple minor adjustments to our audio software, we should be back and better than ever. I, I really should write this stuff down as to exactly what I need to do for the different processes that we do. <laughs> well, I mean, we have some cheat cards. Some stuff was yeah. just blindsided, though. Uh, you know, we did a phone interview with Todd Walensky from True Saber Limited, and we had to alter some of the parameters a little bit to get that audio quality at the best that it could be being a phone in interview. And then we come back, and most things got changed back, but not everything. It's just the way it goes. So we appreciate you guys listening, and we appreciate you guys bearing with us as we figure this out. And uh, just remember that it is Saturday night at 9 p.m. on my anniversary. <laughs> and we're here talking to you guys instead of me hanging out with my wife. That's how much we appreciate you. So Sorry, Matt. Happy anniversary, honey. And, uh, <laughs> so so let, let's knock this out. Let's knock this out. We have a, we have a, we have a plan for for the rest of the show and we're just gonna knock this out and, yeah uh, let's do it but it's it. a good, good podcast night. we're not gonna yeah. rush it Let, no. we, we enjoy this we enjoy hanging out with you guys at least once a week whenever we can and uh so anyways let's cut right to the chase as they say in show business and today we are yes we are covering the Eck commando knife company one of my favorites absolutely and, I, I tell you what, they have such weird knife designs. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a face only a mother can love. But <laughs> if you love them, you love them to your bones. And yeah. if if you don't, then you just keep on skipping by. If you guys don't like Eck Knives, then I would say fast forward through the segment. But the history is so interesting that even if you detest the models that they put out, I want you to hear this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is good. I mean, I mean, we're talking World War II fighters. I yeah, mean, it's I, like I, pure and simple. I mean, I mean, I mean, you cannot, you can never go wrong with with World War II fighters. And I know that it's a huge interest of yours, Matt. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to become an interest of mine because of these history segments. Because these things that you knock out are always really good. <sighs> You're supposed to keep talking while I'm sneezing. And and uh, and, and, <laughs> and Matt's sneezing off in the corner. We're Excuse super me, pro at this yeah. at, at, the, at this recording thing. No, everything's great. So one week is too much to take off. <laughs> yeah, we got. We, yeah, we're gonna be more habitual about this. Yeah, we do so, need to do that. Um, absolutely. All right, all right. Let's dive into this, man. Let's go. So the Eck Commando Knife Company. Now you guys may hear me say the term Eck Commando, and you will hear it spoken at the gun shows and the knife shows as E K. Well, it's not E K. It is Eck. It's a last name, so it's a proper noun in that sense, not an acronym or an abbreviation. So the Eck Commando Knife Company, or Eck Knives, is an American combat... Oh, this is all courtesy of Wikipedia, by the way. always have to give credit where credit's due. I'm going to paraphrase a couple lines out of this, but most of it's going to be pretty direct, minus my own editorials that I throw in on the side. Um, the Eck Commando Knife Company, or Eck Knives, is an American combat knife brand produced by several different companies since the original founded... Since... Ooh... Wikipedia dropped the ball on this one since the original <laughs> job, fa- uh, since the original founded by John Eck in 1941. So 1941, guys, just to put this in perspective, we're in 2017 right now. John Eck started a knife company in 1941. Now, when did World War II kick off? 1938? 30, 39. 39? 38 it was brewing. 39, I think, was the invasion of Poland. Okay, there you go. So, yeah. So, 19, so shortly thereafter, uh, John came forward and said, I think I have a, a design for a better fighting knife. Now, the original X, they they were a little rough looking. I'm not going to lie. They're worth a fortune now, but they were a little brutal looking. Some were like steak knives with kind of a squished Play-Doh looking handle. (laughs) Other ones resembled, and I think to this day, the design cues have carried on, but in very close resemblance. This isn't taken from Wikipedia, guys. This is just my own personal observations. Resembled the duct knife. So if you've ever been at a hardware store and you've seen with like a hickory handled... Um, looks almost like a dagger 
Uh, they use it for cutting air ducts. Uh, that's what the original commandos look like. They look like a duck knife. Uh, so let's see, where were we? So 1941, in May of 2014, which this flabbergasted me, Eck brand was purchased by K-Bar, which began selling its version of the Eck knife designs in I, 2015. I had no idea. Oh, really? That, that, no idea. That's oh, interesting. K-Bar came out with the Eck commandos, and I was like, Phew. I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, this is crazy. And so it was pretty nuts. Um, I think they did a good job on it. I think they spiced it up a little bit. Okay. I am not a huge fan of the direction like the Gerber Mark II has gone generation by generation. To make an analogy, mm-hmm. I was actually pretty stoked about the K-Bar at Commando collaboration. And gotcha. I, I thought that, that went the the right way. I'm looking at that right now. I'm like, oh yeah, there it's, it is. K-Bar made Ek. Black oxide. I think it has an S-Guard, yeah, yeah, if I'm has, not mistaken. This has an S-Guard. It's very daggerish. You've got like, um, like an... How, how, thick is the, how thick is the spine on this thing? Uh, 130 bucks is a good price. Um, oh, they're that much. I'm surprised. That's how much an original Eck would be. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. 130 bucks is more than I would pay for a Richmond, Virginia made Eck Commando. Oh. So nice. you know, I'm, I'm nice. telling you, I, I don't think I would. I mean, and no shot to K Bar. I love all your knives and stuff. I just, to me, that's more than the real McCoy to some extent. So we'll get gotcha. farther into that. Gotcha. Um, but that's also MSRP street price. I bet you if you Amazon, it'd be 80, 90 bucks. Um, yeah, maybe. By, you know... Uh, maybe, or a hundred, a hundred at most. Cool yeah, hundred bucks. I think a cool hundred bucks is, is what, that's what I would pay for an original Eck. Um, and, I mean, and by original, I mean Richmond, Virginia days. And we'll, we'll get a little <laughs> bit further into that. Yeah, no, yeah, $92. There so you go. it splits the difference between us. Yep. 92 bucks. Agreed. So, and I think that is on the money. So that's what you can expect to pay for the K-Bar version of the Eck knife. Um, this is very interesting, and I think this applies mostly to the historical aspect. Although not officially issued gear, Eck knives have seen use by U.S. forces in six major conflicts. World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War, the Gulf War, Afghanistan, and the Iraq War. And so I'm not sure which specific Afghanistan conflict. I'm assuming they're talking about most recent conflicts. Yeah, the most recent one. Yeah, well, and for, so... For, for us, as far as American troops are concerned. I mean, right. Yeah. Uh, Unless a bunch got shipped over to Russia in the 70s. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, and so, so that, I, would, <clears throat> I would assume that. So, uh, uh, knives manufacturers, Bowie-style blades, daggers, and Fairbane Sykes Mark... They say Mark IIs. I'm not sold on the nomenclature Mark II, but they did make a Fairbane Sykes commando-style dagger for a number of years. Cool. Or for at least a short period of time. And yeah. so... Uh, and here, this is also pretty interesting. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president during world the first half of World War II, uh, America's uh, part in World War II, right. FDR. Yep. Uh, he's on the dime. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's important. Clark Gable from uh, Gone with the Wind. Remember Clark Gable? Yeah. yeah he was a captain. Uh, and General George S. Patton. Everybody knows that. George Patton, all been identified as Eck Knife owners. Really? Yeah. So That's these cool. guys, the way Reagan was a Randall owner, you know, yeah, these yeah. guys. Yeah, Patton, uh, Patton had X. Patton carried That's awesome. X. That's right. That's cool. It's a little bit of backstory on John himself. He was a knife maker since 1939. In 1941, he started producing knives in quantity in Hamden, Connecticut. So they started before Richmond. They were in Hamden. And by 1943, he was making several different styles. But by 44, the demand for his knives had grown to the point where he had, get a load of this, guys, three shifts working around the clock seven days a week to produce ten different models. Think about that. that. That's a large quantity. That is a high demand, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's a, high, that's you know, a very high demand. That's yeah. three <clears throat> shifts 
24-7 making Eck Knives. Right. Now, a lot of you guys listening may have heard of Eck Knives, but I would say the bulk of the body of knife fans in today's market have never even heard of this guy. And he was working 24 hours a day, well, his company, 24 hours a day, <clears throat> seven days a week to produce for the war effort. That's, That's crazy. That's that, nuts. That's nuts. And so uh, all the knives made by made during World War II by Eck were numbered, and this is something we do at the Vehement Shop. We serialize all of our standard models, not our custom one-offs, but all of our standard models. Mm-hmm. Um, all the knives made during World War II by Eck were numbered to help the owners keep track of them if they were lost. And because he guaranteed each knife for the lifetime of the original owner, by keeping the original owner's name on record, he could follow up his lifetime guarantee system. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. And much like Bob Loveless... Eck had very strong feelings about restricting his knives to active duty U.S. servicemen. Really? Yeah, I don't know if you knew that about Loveless. No, either. no, I had no idea. Shoot no. knives, fighters, daggers, anything with a double edge or that wasn't a hunting knife specifically or right. some kind was, of utility was knife. Was offered for, for military use. Or cops only. That's yeah, awesome. That's, that's yeah. it. So, gotcha. And John cool. was of the same mindset. Nice. Uh, it's reported that President FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, kept an Eck commando knife on his desk at the White House until the time of his death. So not only was he a, a, an owner, this was in front of him every day. And if you could picture the desk at the White House, I can't imagine that it looks like your dad's desk. It's right. just littered with knives, <laughs> right? You know what There's I mean? There's edge stuff everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My desk, your desk, you know right. what I mean? Just piles and mountains of knives yeah. everywhere. So, I mean, this is that was a specific, uh, deliberate feature on FDR's desk during World War II to carry an Eck knife. And I think there's some prestige in that. that. There is. That's pretty cool. I had no idea. So, after the war, 1949, Eck moved to Miami, Florida, where he continued production of his knives. From here, he provided knives to American forces during the Korean and Vietnam War. So, Korean right. conflict and Vietnam conflict era knives all came out of Miami. Now, they were marked also. So, there's not a... Uh, a guessing game. You guys have seen that in collecting sometimes where it's like, well, where was this knife made? The company's on there. It says USA, but we're not sure which era. These right. are all stamped. And so there you go. If it's during the, the if yeah. it's stamped Miami, it's Korean or it's Vietnam. It's Korean or Vietnam. Gotcha. Yep. Absolutely. Period. Uh, and then obviously his earlier knives actually bore the Hamden, Connecticut identification. Gotcha. Uh, tragically, well, I don't know about tragically. I think he did pretty well in his life. But John Eck died on October 21st, 1976. The business was continued by his son, Gary W. Eck. The funny thing is Randall Knives also was continued by a Gary Randall. So the sons of knife right. makers named Gary, bright future. <laughs> I should have <I> <laughs> named my son Gary. That's <laughs> <laughs> what they told me. <laughs> um, now, Gary had worked for his father as a knife maker since 71, and prior to John's death, due to the growing crime rate in Miami, the Eck family decided to relocate its operation to St. Augustine until 1982, which is also in Florida. Um, in, after 1982, they moved to Richmond, Virginia, which is kind of the common era of Eck knives. Gotcha. And so all the ones like they were featured in the movie Sniper with Tom Berenger. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. I don't think I saw. I don't think I saw. Oh Sniper. my god! <laughs> oh, it's like Billy Zane and Tom Berenger. I was like eight or ten when it came out, <laughs> yeah. and we would rent it on VHS. And me and my buddy Nathan, we would just sit there and watch it over and over again. And Tom Berenger carried an Eck Commando nice. in his web gear, and it was nice. pretty cool. And so. I think there's even a scene where he's using it uh, tied to a lanyard as a distraction, kind of splashing in a river and gets a guy to look over there. And yeah, I, won't, I don't want to spoil the movie. It well, came out like 92. I'm going to put it in my Amazon library there you go. right yeah. now. Yeah, the first one. There's like 11 of them. Oh, and right. they get progressively less known actors as okay. it goes on. So originally it was Tom Berenger gotcha. and Billy Zane. 
Uh, so back on topic, in 1982, Eck Knife President Rob Berline took the reins, convinced Johns. Uh, this part's actually it's okay. It's about them moving to Richmond, Virginia. Uh, however, this is cool. Um, new knives have been introduced after the Virginia move, developed by Gary Eck, including the Raider Marine Corps Martial Arts Program Knife, which this is kind of an honor for these guys. They've been around for a long time, and they get recognized by the Marine Raiders and the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program as the fighting knife. Now, we're talking about United nice. States Marines, guys. So these are guys who are like, you know what? Um, the K-Bar is great, but let's adopt a new fighting knife model for this specific group. And I, to me, I thought that was a huge deal. I thought that was really awesome. And I wouldn't be surprised if that has something to do with kind of the intertwinings between K-Bar and Eck to this day. Maybe. Is their yeah. Marine Corps heritage, right? Very cool. Uh, quite yeah. specifically, even though we know that the Marine Corps K-Bar, as it is colloquially known, mm-hmm. is a version of the Navy Mark II. <laughs> as per our last episode, guys. Cool. Uh, so there you go. So there's that part. Uh, now... This is kind of cool, and I'm going to go into a little bit of detail on this. Uh, but basically, the three handle variants that were offered by Eck Knives uh, were finely grooved black micarta, hand checkered walnut handles. Mm-hmm. But what made it interesting, and I'm skipping around a little bit, but what made it interesting in the original days, they used poured lead rivets. Really? Poured lead rivets. L- now, like, like, like they'd set the, the knife in a fixture, put the handle on it, and then pour lead through the handle? You or, absolutely or, have that right. Is that is it? Wow, I would have never guessed that. Let me find That's the nuts. exact spot where this needs to be because it was, it was pretty awesome. And so, in addition to, the, oh, here we go. So the poured lead rivets, which were used to affix the two wooden grips to the blade, and this is on the original models, not the K bar models or even the Richmond, mm-hmm. Virginia models, uh, but World War II, maybe as late as Vietnam. Uh, wow. The poured lead rivets, which were used to affix the two wooden grips to the blade tang, were unique to Eck knives. Most knives at the time used standard cutlery rivets. Remember, we touched on that earlier in the episode, talking about Corby's guys. Or they were simply driven onto the rat tail tang, like just hammered on. Poured lead had the advantage that if the grips ever became loose, they could be tightened in the field without any tools. All the owner needed to do was take a heavy object, such as a rock, and pound the lead rivets to tighten them. Another advantage of the poured lead rivets was the extra weight, which made the knife balance far better than most, and has added weight as it added weight to the hilt. This caused huh. it to fall into the hand rather than fall out of the hand, which I'm a huge proponent of in our knives. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That's that's aw- I'm I'm still blown away. They did that on wood handles. Wood handles poured molten <laughs> lead into it. I mean, I'm, I'm just like I'm just like like the knife maker in me is like going. Did they have to take out burn marks around? Oh, the th- these or, are not. Or, 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 I mean, this isn't like polished burl. This okay. is like walnut. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, it gets okay. cut in planks. It gotcha. gets shaped. It gets yeah. smacked on there, and so it, which I thought was kind of cool. Now, this is another thing that I have so many favorite aspects of this company. Um, let we can get into the construction of the knife. Let's do that. So okay. after <laughs> after World War II, when they moved to Virginia, then there was a period of time starting in 1993 that Blackjack Knives acquired Eck Commando Knife Company. I remember that. We still actually have some components. Oh no, kidding. From that, yeah. Um, specifically the screws, which were. Do you like, still have the screws? I do. I still have. I, still I have bags totally of those. got yeah. the guards from your dad. Okay. So if you have the screws, I'll take a couple. I, I have, I think uh, they're in brass. Yeah, yeah I, they should be X. Yeah, they're, they're, they're X with the brass. And I think I even have black ones, too, as well. So, yes, okay, fine. I, I, I'll find them. Or I was I'll, pantomiming or... some wild stuff right there. But yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, intense. Okay, <laughs> the so pantomiming. The, the, the pantomiming, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So we're actually getting to that right now. And so uh, finally grew my car. Uh, machine brass X-nut screws to fasten the handle. I have one set of those, by the way. <laughs> Became standard instead of the original poured lead rivets. Blades were ground out of stainless steel. And we'll get back to that. They say mirror polish, but reality was they were satined. I, I'm just telling you guys, to be honest, it says mirror polish, but they were satined. Um, let's see. They did some in uh, paracord wrap, which is the one yep. that I have. <clears throat> Look, uh, when uh, when 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 Dad had it, that's when I learned how to paracord wrap handles. Oh, I and, bet. And I did it for I did it for actually like a number of years off and on. No for kidding. Summers you may have paracord. wrapped mine. I may have There's wrapped a yours. There's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have wrapped yours. How funny. Um. Yeah. There were two patterns too. There was that one, and then there was a there was an Echo Commando dagger that had a paracord wrap. Yeah. Well. Which I and and that wrapping like involved like a coat hanger and two people to wrap each knife and wow <laughs> yeah it was really involved for like me i can't remember how to do it now but <laughs> how funny yeah but uh yeah anyway continue sorry no that's fine yeah yep. no it's uh k bar knives we already covered all that stuff uh strategic materials you guys don't need to know that i'm sure you understand that during wartime it was a little bit of a battle to get the authorization to use the steel but ultimately john eck won now where is the fun stuff because there is some really cool stuff here okay this is one of my favorite 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 there's two parts to this okay this is one of the, i fell in love with these knives at this point uh, so wood grips allowed the owner to custom fit the grip by sanding to the exact contour of his hand. And for a number of years, <laughs> Eck included a piece of sandpaper with each knife for this purpose. So he'd send a little wow. square of sandpaper in uh -huh. the box and you would shape it to your hand. Right. Now what it was, a bunch of meatballs doing this, it would know... Maybe it fit their hand perfectly or whatever it is, but uh -huh. the, the overall aesthetic gets completely corrupted. Oh, yeah, by this. It, gets, it gets mushed. So you'll the, look the on thing. eBay and you'll find Eck knives <laughs> that resemble a dog turd. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. It's I'm, just I'm this, not... this barrel lumpy it's, thing. It is. <laughs> and it's brown. And somebody in the free time sanded it to the shape of their hand or what <laughs> they thought was pad. careful that's, or comfortable. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, now, this is also worth noting, is that John Eck himself preferred his knives without cross guards for the ease of concealment and for quick withdrawal, as there was no cross guard to snag on the clothing or soldier's equipment. Mm -hmm. The grips on X knives had eight scalloped grooves, four on each of the two grips. Mm -hmm. This gave the user such a good grip that John Eck found that a cross guard was not necessary to prevent the hand from sliding onto the blade. Nice. Now, you may say, Arr, Arr, Arr. There are well, lots of people that do that. A lot of people <laughs> did. Yeah. And when he was questioned about this by the War Production Board... He did this a number of times. Uh, all right. What did, he, what did he do? There's a story. Eck greased his hand and plunged one of his knives into the wooden floor with such force that no one was able to pull it out. <laughs> Without a guard. No guard. No guard. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and guys, I'm a guard guy too. I really am. And I'm like, huh. All right. Yeah. And I've known this story for years and years and years and years. So, uh, I, And I still put cross guards. But That's just to, if you're on the fence about it, you, you – probably don't need one if the handle ergos are correct <laughs> that's awesome uh, that's fantastic so i just thought that was pretty cool so anyways there it is guys in a nutshell maybe a large nutshell uh, <laughs> i'm trying to see if i skipped over anything else but no i don't think so uh i think that's the entire x saga and i recommend that you check them out if you find a good deal on an x commando specifically the I think it's the first pattern, which is a bayonet grind, so it's right. like a dagger and a half. Yes. And so if yeah. you could think of that, if you guys find a good deal on one of those, hit me up, because I, I love those knives, man. Anyways, happy hunting, and we'll be back in the next segment.
This episode of Behind the Blade Podcast is brought to you by our friends at KME, that's Kilo Mike Echo Sharpeners. Uh, I can tell you one thing is that they are absolutely innovation driven and customer service sustained. They use all United States made components and in a system that's 100% made in the United States, which I think is very uh, respectable and I think it's very important in this day and age. Their stuff is absolutely built to last and it works really well. So, I mean, I don't want to dwell on the periphery too much. I can tell you that I own a KME sharpener and I do use it on my knives. And after I got over about a 15 minute learning curve, uh, it made a believer out of me, 100%. So go check them out at kmesharp.com and contact them. They're very, like I said, they're very customer service driven. So give them a buzz and they will tell you where to pick up one of their great systems. All right, and we are back. That was an excellent history segment, Matt. Thank you so much for being a very good historian about edge tools, good sir. Thank you, sir. It was my <laughs> pleasure talking about the Commando Knife Company. I'm actually shopping them out on eBay right now. I'm grossly disappointed by what people are asking and not receiving for. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of stopped after that segment, too, and I'm like, how much are these again? And I started looking myself. Uh, so I, I also looked up the movie Sniper while I was at it, and I was gonna, I'm was i going to add that to my, <laughs> to my Amazon library here now, in a minute. I'm warning you, it may not hold up. I was 10, and I think it came out like 91 or 92. Uh-huh. Does that sound about right? 93. Like 93. 93 is what it said. Yeah, I so only I was, know that because I just read it on Amazon. Yeah, it was so. 10 or 11, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So, four tech tips this week. I, um, man, every year, and it always seems to be in the summer, where I have, like, some sort of a straight razor craze. Really? Every, yeah, every annual, year. It's your it, annual straight razor <laughs> extravaganza, where you're just like, this is all I can think about. <laughs> or I'm like, this is what I want to do right now. And so, I've made, I've, um, probably by the end of the month, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have made about four of them. At this point, yeah, I, I no, made. That's a good point. Yeah, You're yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I made. I made another one today, actually, for fun. Like I came into the shop today, Saturday, right? So I, I woke up early. I made myself some breakfast. Went to the shop, grabbed some Zochris Damascus, and I made myself a Western German style Western oh, a Western ground German style razor. Nice. And it turned out awesome. It turned out really cool. I'm gonna be edging and handling that this week. So if yeah, you're following us it. on Facebook, I'll put it up there too, as well. And actually, that reminds me, because if I'm talking about it here on the podcast, I'm going to post it on the podcast Facebook page. There you go. And we're terrible about that, guys. I'm sorry. By the time we're done editing and stuff, it's usually 11, 12 o'clock at night, and we haven't necessarily maybe had dinner yet most times. I think tonight I stole a slice of pizza from Jim's family's mouth. And, and so. I think there's one slice left, yeah. so you didn't really steal it. So there's still leftovers, even with you. But um, I wanted to just sit down and talk about straight razors with you guys for a second. I mean, like, so so what is shaving? It's removing the hair from your face. You guys do it every day or every other day, maybe once a week, or sometimes you don't do it at all, but everybody's done it at some point. And... And uh, honestly, man, there's all sorts of different technologies that come out with, with, uh, with different shaving um, and, uh, and edge geometry and uh, the, the, the tools that you're supposed to use. But the absolute best tried and true method of doing it that has never been exceeded in any fashion has been a single-bladed straight razor. Gives no you, kidding. So, I gi- mean, it still gives the... It's the least amount of irritation, it's the sharpest edge, and it's the smoothest shave. And it doesn't clog up if it's been a week or so. Right. You're not like picking <laughs> fibers out of it, hair, hair, whisker fibers. No, no. You yeah. take a towel and you wipe your blade off and yeah. you and you close it, you let it dry, you put it away and you're done. So, and razors, razors can get super complicated. I mean, like there's all sorts of different cultural, um, 
different cultures across the globe do it differently. Like, I think, I think the Romans had, like, a sickle hook kind of a thing that, that they shaved with. I mean, uh, Japanese have a kamasori, which in Japanese just means razor. So, 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 I mean, specifically, if you're speaking in Japanese, you would say a Nihon kamasori, right? Japanese razor. Japanese razor. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but everybody else, everybody, every culture has some sort of a super thin-edged single-blade razor for shaving your face. Kamisori. 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 Kami is either god, paper, or hair. In this okay. case, I'm assuming it hair, would be hair. Right. And then sori is curve. I wonder if that's or the... bend. I don't know, but I, there might be more definitions than that. So uh, I, I'm I sure, I'm sure there's a contextual thing there. Yeah, maybe. So I wonder if that's related to the grind, because Kamisori grinds are different than Western grinds. Oh, are they? Okay. They are. They're different. Yeah, so, so, so Japanese tools are very specific. Right, and there's a ton of different Japanese tools. Right, right, and they all have their own specific things. Some, like a kiridashi, has a chisel as a chisel grind. Right, the vegetable chopping knives have, have like a half ground chisel grind with like a thin little tanto, kind of like a squarish tip on the front. Gotcha. But that's different than the santuko, which is in the center. Right, I mean, they're, they're, it gets pretty specialized. Right. Yeah, kamisori grinds. Um, well, let me talk about western grinds. Western grinds for a second are all hollow ground, and they're in the middle. The so, edge is in the right, center of the spine. Of the stock, right, okay, right, yeah. exactly, yeah. So, commissory, yeah. right, commissories are not like that. Commissories are either right or left-handed. They're offset, okay. Yeah, they're offset. So, you have a huge, full-height grind hollow on one side, and that's your flat scraping side. And then from the other side, you have, like, a, a half-height hollow that goes all the way to the other part the other the other edge of the stock. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so that's, that's your traditional commissory grind. So, you have right and left-handed. And and it's typically supposed to be like you're supposed to go to your barber and then he's he's supposed to have his right and left handed, but it would be opposite if you're doing it on yourself. So you would need two so, to do your own face, unless you cross. Well, no, you would need two you to would, do your own face. You would need two to do your own face. Whoa! So so that's that's kind of a project that I've got going on too on the side is that I've got a little bar of 1095 that I'm going to make matching left and right hand side commissories. That's cool. <laughs> and I was going to rattan wrap it, which is why I asked you about the rattan wrapping. So they wrapping. don't fold. Uh, no, not at all. They're no, a fixed blade. Yeah, yeah. The the, the Japanese commissory is a fixed blade. So, and that's for. I gotta look that up. I'm gonna I'm gonna Jim Stewart for a minute. Guys. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna jump on my phone. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm accused I'm accused all the time of just like stopping conversation so I can Google something. <laughs> it's it's usually about knives or edges. But I wanted to talk about straight razors. Just for some reason, they resonate with me. I think they're extremely elegant in every culture. Um, it's 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 always like a I don't know. It's like a, it's like a like a. Um, a, a, a cleanliness kind of a thing, or a, um, um, a hygiene, maybe and gentlemanly. Gentlemanly, gentlemanly. It's very, it's very, it's very monocle. Yeah, you know, it's very, very monocle. Top, top hat, top, yeah. top hat, <laughs> monocle is exactly spats, is, boot spats. Right. <laughs> and uh, and it's a, uh, you know, it's uh, other than like a gentleman's folder or a gentleman's EDC, like like the city knife that that uh, that Bob Lovelace designed is is also a gentleman's knife. I would say it's a uh, it's. It's it's like it's like high class high society, and I, I for some reason it just really appeals to me. Uh, my favorites are Western style folding folding straight razors. I've made a few of them. I only actually recently figured out how to do it properly. <laughs> so, um, but I don't know I don't know razors, but I, mm -hmm. I know grinding a little bit, right. and uh, I mean th those are some expertly ground hollow ground blades. I mean, I, I was actually. Genuinely impressed. <laughs> I, I really was. They're pretty cool. They're yeah, pretty, cool. pretty pretty slick. So it's, I think you have that dialed in. Yeah, the uh, the just and just grinding them, I think, is a lot of fun. Like the one that I ground today, I almost screwed up. <laughs> Actually, pretty bad. So, um, but uh, but no, it came out great. So, I really wanted to talk about these because I've been I've been shaving with a straight razor for this is my fourth year. I was taught by my Belgian friend, the the uh, the, the the mad Belgian friend that we have. Um, muscles from Brussels. The muscles from Brussels. That's what I was reaching for. <laughs> 
looking at Commissary Razors. <laughs> so his, his name is Michiel Van Hoot at um, belgiansharpening.wordpress.com. You can check out his, his stuff there. He actually has some very in-depth articles that opened up my eye to, I guess, debates inside the Razor community, community that I didn't even know existed. Some people are, uh, and it's all about honing. And shaping the steel and the right kind of grinds and the right kind of bevels and how you're supposed to how you're supposed to leave the hone on. All right. Um, so so, but I'm gonna keep it really nice and short, just to give you guys to illustrate the point and the difference in mentality. There's a lot of math that goes involved that goes into making a razor. You can't just like take a chunk of steel like Matt and I do, you know, and make a knife and make it work. Um, razors take a lot of calculation and knowing exactly what it is you're doing with the tools that you have. So you have to like if you want a five eighths grind, you're gonna need a four inch wheel, you know, and and, right. you ha- and and that's only if you have a three sixteenth stock because if you have fatter than that, you might need a smaller wheel or a bigger wheel depending on how tall your grind the is. Geometry is constantly in flux based on your wheel diameter, your stock thickness, and right. your height of grind. Right, and and you guys out there that have hollow ground probably know a little bit about what I'm talking about because there's a lot of calculation there too as far as getting the edge straight in the hollow but still having the hollow tall enough for where you wanted the edge right. or for where you wanted the, for where you wanted your belt right right so um man so yeah Razors. so where we so you were saying that one of your favorites is going to be the western style German or Western. Yeah. So what is a good razor for people to kind of start off with? Maybe something they can select and find easily on the market today, whether antique or new. Okay. So expect to spend. Okay. So, so it depends on what you want. If you want an antique, um, there was a town in Sweden called Ekiltsuna. And they, I know, Matt's, Matt's looking at me with raised eyebrows, like, like bless you? I, I put a face on. <laughs> Did you just sneeze? So um, anything that came out of that town, you can pretty much trust to be a good razor. They're, they're, and they're going to be vintage razors. We're talking 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Kind of comparable to like Laguiole. For, I, there's a way to pronounce that that I don't pronounce right. But lag, right. Lagui- right. Laguiole. La, la, Laguiole. Or That's how I say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they make knives. Yep, yep. Um, and then, oh, Lagrilo. No, are no, no, no. okay, okay, because they're okay. It must be a different one then. Back on topic. Yeah, back on topic. So, <laughs> so as far as as far as new stuff, Grim Blades would probably be your baseline. Okay. So, so if you have a Grim Blades razor and you send it to a professional honer and you get a decent edge on there, it's decent steel. I think the razors are a little clunky, like they're a little squared, and I think the handles are a little bit thick. But if with a good edge, it shaves just fine. There's no problems there. Um, you. Expect to spend anywhere from one to two hundred dollars on a good razor. Now, how do you justify that when you pay thirty-five dollars for a pack of razors? You get to keep it for life. You right? get to, you pay you pay hundred to two hundred dollars once, and you might go fifteen years if you maintain if you if you maintain it right wow. and properly. So versus versus, you know, you're supposed to change those those disposable razors every week, right? And they come in four packs, so you're spending thirty-five dollars a month on razors, right? You know, 35 times 12, you guys do the math, which one's cheaper? So spend $100, $200 on a blade, buy buy some soap. You can go on Amazon and buy a $7 puck of, like, Colonel Conk's soap. That's a pretty decent soap. Did you make soap. that up? I did not. Okay. I did oh, not. I have some. I'll, I'll let you smell it. It's, like, lime flavor. It's pretty cool. I don't need to smell your, smell, your soap, too. Are you sure? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got so much soap yeah, yeah. to smell. Did you guys smell the soap? <laughs> this is totally what bros do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, start with the soap. Um, 
there's all sorts of lather videos on YouTube. And if I get into making razors in production, I'll probably end up making those videos. You know, right. shave shave along videos, and I'll probably do the show off videos where I where I where I where I put an edge on something ridiculous like a Bravo three, and shave with it. <laughs> that that could be fun. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, coming up, and it's a little bit of a spoiler, but me and Dan Tope are getting together, and I'm going to shave his head. Oh wow! So I'll invite you over for that, <laughs> Matt. Oh, right. I think you'll have a good time with that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll shave each other's legs, and it'll be a good time. I'm sick that day. Bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I just, just kidding about that I second part. Polio. <laughs> Whenever that starts, I got the rickets. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no. I had the meat sweats for the last forty-eight hours, Jim. <laughs> no, okay, totally joking about the last part. So, um, but no, it's it's gonna be a little bit of a promo thing. Um, I I like making them, and I'm I'm really interested in razors. Um, so if you're going to get into it, I highly recommend you check out Michiel Van Hoot's site, BelgianSharpeningWordPress.com, which is a lot easier to spell than Van Hoot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Um. He has him and Tom Blodgett from Genda Industries that we uh, that we interviewed for Blade Show a little while ago. They on YouTube have excellent videos on how to hone razors. I oh, highly Tom, Tom's him. a good guy. Yeah, he, he uh, is a good guy. I mean, he was, he's he's really he really knows his stuff. He was a booth next to us. Genda was over the booth next to us at Blade 2017. Indeed. Yeah. So so um yeah, Ekelsuna Sweden, um, Grim Blades, Dovo Blades. You're gonna spend about a hundred to two hundred dollars as far as old vintage brands. You're looking for. In the 50s and 60s, anything made out of Germany, pretty safe. Pretty safe. Yeah, I mean, as far as your eBay reclamations, because that's how I learned how to hone, was I'd go on eBay, I'd spend 20 bucks on just like a, a – I'd look at the pictures like really closely right. and make sure that they're not chipped to crap. Because um, a lot of people take razors and hack with them and then like, they, like give them to their kids and their kids go outside and – like bang on rocks and stuff. Like, with what do they razors. get? Like for like Father's Day, they get the number six hundred and eighty fourth dad. That's what it says on their coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, well, I just give my kids razors to go play in the yard. I'm saying yeah, yeah. it's true. Oh my god, <laughs> it's, it, yeah. it happens. So, but That's but yeah, or, 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 or yeah. people people take razors and use them for self defense or something, and and like they don't know that there's a little bit of a cool guy movement going on. Uh -huh. I think ever yeah. since Reservoir Dogs when that came out and he cuts the, the ear off. off. Yeah. yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that put a little bit of I don't think it makes it practical. I think it's an instrument more than a tactical weapon. Right, so right, if you guys absolutely. have a straight razor in your boot, you better have some wily whiskers because I just don't think it's a smart move to try to use that in a fight. The second you use it, your edge will break. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're meant for just shaving faces, and the handles aren't really conducive to holding onto them. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah, <laughs> there's not even a stop for the blade. They just right. flop around. Spin around. So. So not really, not really a self-defense application yeah. unless you're fighting rabid hares. And it could be easily defeated by, I don't know, a throw pillow. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. So yeah, so, and so I'm just looking out for you guys, not uh, criticizing. I know it's pretty cool after seeing Mr. Pink do that or whoever that was. What was I don't remember Mr. Whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, it was Mads Mikkelsen. Dogs. No, not Mads Mikkelsen. What's Mike Madsen. Mike Madsen. Yeah. There's too many actors with M's. Everywhere, Mike Madsen. I'm sorry. It's okay, Matt Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, but okay. So other brands we've got uh, we've got Lugarillo. We've got Tears of Sard. Those are both French. Then Tears of Sard's been around since like the early 1800s. Oh wow! Just this, or, or maybe the mid 1800s. Just this ridiculously long history of make, just making razors, and they do a great job. Lugarillo, um, almost nearly as old. I've got a Lugarillo razor. It shaves beautifully. It's great. But mine's from like the 1970s. Um, Swedish brands like Hellestrand. There's a J in the middle of that. Don't ask me how to spell it. Hela. I think it's pronounced Hellestrand. Yes. Um, and uh, I know that uh, my buddy Mikhail would 
easily be able to spell that out because he actually has like a couple of recommendations with that brand. Um, yeah, so Ekelsuna Sweden, anything out of there, Hellestrand um, would be a good Swedish razor. As far as steels go, like if you're looking, and there's, and, there, and there's a million custom guys out there that do custom razors out of all sorts of stuff. CPM 154, XHP, D2. I mean, uh, I just made a razor out of A2. I mean, because I had it laying around, right. but 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 it's still made out of A2. It's great. I think something with high wear resistance would yeah. be the balls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially, in, or something, especially yeah. something that thin. So right. you're looking for high wear resistance and fine grain. Right. So the um, other steels that, that would be great for razors, AEBL. Which is which is a refined version of 440B or uh, 12C27 I think is the Swedish version of the same steel 13C26 19C27 um, anything fine grained works out pretty well um, but if you can get a decent edge on it that it holds that the carbides aren't too hard on, aren't too large on they'll work great for a razor but and there are straight razors out there that have like titanium handles with andonizing and uh, they're three thousand dollars whoa just ridiculous amounts of money. So I'm in the middle of my razor craze, and I know that I'm kind of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> um, rambling a little bit. No, I think it's pretty so, informative, man. I, and <laughs> this is the tech tips, guys. We want to bring you into the fold on kind of a peek behind all things Edge. And, Jim, I think you're doing a fantastic job. I think you're spinning everybody up on what to look for in a razor, what you can expect to buy when you purchase a quality razor, either old or new. Are there any accoutrements that are absolutely mandatory for somebody who wants to kind of delve into this for the first time? All right. What gear do they need to acquire? Okay, so the one other thing other than the razor that you absolutely need. Other stuff other stuff you can kind of float either with or without, like as far as like shaving oils and specific soaps and balms and aftershaves and, and which bowl you should get, but you need a brush. Okay. You need a brush. Like a badger hair? Like, like a badger hair brush, and they range anywhere from, I've seen, actually I have one, for $12 from Amazon, all the way up to, the sky's the limit. Right. Um, I think I think a good price for one, I think a good price for one is, uh, is, is probably the $12 one. I mean, if you're just getting into it and you want to test it out, and you don't want to spend a ton of money doing it, get the $100 or $200 razor anyway. Hey. <laughs> All right, unless you're getting a disposable, but I don't highly recommend the disposables, but disposables because the edge that you can put on an actual straight razor will be superior to the disposable one nice. at all times. So, you've got uh, you need a brush. I've got a $12 brush from Amazon upstairs. It whips it whips lather and it, I can apply it to my face, so that's what we need it for, right? So, go on Amazon and and find one of those. Um, as far as material goes, there's boar hair, there's badger hair, there's synthetic of both, and the synthetic ones, strangely enough, unless it's a really worn-in badger hair brush, whip a superior soap whip. Like a lather. The, a lather, yeah. yeah they, they whip they, a better they, lather. They whip a better lather, the synthetic and ones ladies. And they're cheaper, because they're synthetic, and yes. you're, and, and, uh, you're appeasing the, uh... The uh, the uh, inner vegetarian, yeah, 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 animal lover. Yeah, the, yeah, the pita, the 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 your your inner pita soul. There you go. If you have one, I would like to have an inner <laughs> pita bread right now because I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's more apples, and Different I think I got a slice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, thanks, man. That, that's the other thing. You're welcome. Oh. You're welcome. Um, uh, you've, you've got that. That's the other thing that you absolutely need. You're gonna need a bowl to be able to whip the lather, and or or a not mug, even that, right? I mean, as my grandfather that, uses a coffee cup. A coffee? No, I've is got, that pretty yeah. common? Is that? Yeah, that's pretty common. I keep, I keep okay. the soap in a coffee cup. Yeah, so he had a little yeah. uh, thing of soap at the bottom of that, and he had a brush, and he would just yeah, rrr, and that's how he would shave. Right, right. Yeah. You can do that, or you can take that and transfer the soap to a bowl, and oh. then and then whip it in the bowl to something even finer. And then I need a dishwasher for my bathroom. <laughs> So we'll just stick with the old coffee cup, <laughs> right? right. Um, but there are other soaps out there that actually, um, and uh, it, it was again, again referencing to Mihil because there, there are three guys that taught me everything I know about razors. One of them's Mihil Van Hoot. 
Ken Schwartz and Tom Blodgett. Just just everything that I know about razors came from those three guys. But there's a soap out there that you can actually just apply to your face. You, you rub it on your face, you wet your brush, and you start lathering on actually, your face. I was and reading the label. It's no. a bar. You're supposed to put it in a sock and swing it vigorously at your face. <laughs> And it should work. And if it doesn't, uh, call one of the three people that Jim just mentioned because that's their fault. I've never heard of this. Yeah. It sounds similar to Full Metal the, Jacket. The sock lather. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's similar to nunchucks. You're right. Exactly. Somewhere between Full Metal Jackets, uh, blanket party, and nunchakus. Uh, it's an auto self party. It's an auto soap party. Well, cool. that's funny. Jim, thank you so, so much. That was very important. Anything else you have? No, man. No, that's that's it. That's it. I just uh, I dig razors and look out for stuff like that for me because I'll be making a few custom ones here. And there and oh, yeah. and uh, every time it gets warm, I seem to go over a little razor crazy. So three months, three part series. Three. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Because I'm ADDing all over the place today. Because Matt and I are both tired. We're gonna turn the razor thing into a into a three part series. So today was a little bit of an intro on what exactly you need. Um, it's a lot easier for me to talk about construction and honing, which is gonna be part two. That'll take place in two weeks, and then two weeks after that, we'll be getting into exactly the exactly all of the calculations needed to make them yourself and what you should be looking for so um stay tuned over the course of the next six weeks we'll be doing we'll be doing these other parts and then that'll span the summer and we're through that so again thank you guys for listening thank you jim stewart Jim, for a pretty enlightening segment on our tech tips about the origins and fundamentals of straight razor selection. Again, this is going to be a six-part, uh, three-part series over the course of six weeks, uh, and I'm actually pretty interested. It's going to be progressive, so it's selection, and then it moves on to maintenance, and then finally making, which is my favorite part. Not of straight razors. That sounds terrible. But. And if you guys end up making some uh, some razors based off the tips that we give you, by all means, send us pictures and we'll totally post them in the Facebook page because oh, yeah. we're proud of you guys. You guys are uh, you guys are some talented people. You guys should be proud of yourself. Number one, you have excellent taste in podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Number two, you may be a skilled razor maker and not even know it. Uh, let's get to the meat and potatoes, my favorite part. This is, holy cow, you guys were answering, you were putting up some questions. Hopefully we can answer these with some semblance right. of accuracy. The Q&As, we're going to tackle those. And and you guys really responded. There's a lot of good questions on here. It's great. Okay. So, so we'll get to the we'll get to the best ones that we can um, in the time that we got. And we're going to hammer through a couple of these guys. So uh, I think it's going to be funny, but it's just how we're going to do it. And there's nothing you can do other than not listen, but you guys want to listen, and we want you to listen either way. All right, Jerry Bear, what is your perfect personal favorite handle styles and why? Easy. Uh, that is going to be the commando shape, which is seen on the Gerber Mark II. The, there's a lot of daggers. The Randall, a lot of Randalls mm-hmm. have commando styles, and the Fairbane Sykes commando. Yep. 
It's a Coke sure. bottle shape, Coke and bottles. why do I like it? Because it looks awesome. That's why. For any other handle style, it's all subjective. It's all up to your hands. Some people like Moran. Some people like uh, tapers, like a Loveless style. I personally, as much as I love Loveless knives, I, I'm not a big fan of their handles. And so, uh, <laughs> gotcha. that's, uh, so that's totally subjective. My personal favorite is going to be the commando shape, that Coke mm -hmm. bottle shape. You? Gotcha. Moran. Moran. I like. I, lo I love me some Moran handles. Bill Moran really had something going on with that, and that, that shape is adaptable to to any hand size and it's a sh and it's adaptable to any size itself there you go and it still holds visual tension with minor tweaks there you go i mean and so it, and it's very recognizable it's very comfortable bill moran good job on that handle sir i will put that handle on anything i possibly can that was awarded posthumously <laughs> <laughs> all right what Next. is your favorite road trip music oh man um clutch it's probably my favorite road trip music. Listen to a lot of clutch. Listen to a lot of Danzig. Listen to a lot of porn for pyros when I'm driving around. I have not heard of that. Also listen to yeah. a lot of okay. Red Hot Chili Peppers. When Red I'm Hot Chili around. Peppers is good when you're driving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you guys really want to get groovy, then I recommend the Sonic Youth Radio Station on Pandora. Ooh, good stuff on there. Nice, nice. So. I, I I'm not much of a Pandora user. Oh, I'm um, major Pandora. That's nice. I mean, it's all we do. Jenna and I sit up all like I said, like we don't watch TV, guys. We sit up all night and we listen to music and talk and we listen to. A broad spectrum. I mean, not very much country, not very much hip hop, and very little classical. You're not a Tupac fan? But uh, nope, not oh. at all. I actually oh. can't stand him. <laughs> uh, thoughts on exotic handle materials? Negative. That, those are my thoughts on exotic handle materials. <laughs> that's, that's from Jeff Stanberry. Um, never, we we use exotic handle materials on Bark Rivers, um, but the thing is, they look really good and they hold up to regular, pretty normal abuse right up until you drop them. And I'm saying saying that with absolute and complete sincerity that that they're just not as strong as something like micarta or g10 and, and much like american express gravity is everywhere you want to be and i'm a very small operation without a warranty department so i don't like it <laughs> we we, we <laughs> wait i'd say i'd say that most of the warranties that we get in um are wood handles of some sort Mm -hmm. Honestly, truthfully, truthfully, and um, that's not including modifications because typically, typically somebody will buy, buy like a Bravo one with a ramp and need it modified. Oh, yeah, It'll be yeah, like black that's, canvas, that's but yeah. but as far as like uh, actual like factory problems, like the handle swelled because the wood, wood was just wood, you know. Yeah. I mean, so and then we will take it down. But yeah, there so you there go. You go. Those are our thoughts. So yep. Remington, what you uh, what you guys are jamming to while grinding it out in the shop? Well, for me, it's the same answer. Grinding, as grinding it out in the shop. That sounds so dirty, man. Like I'm not <laughs> gonna lie. Tired. That sounds I think terrible. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So you clutch. Jim uh, no, and I, I are both huge clutch fans. I, by I the listened way. to uh, I listened to their self-titled album that they released in '91. Yep. Yep. '91, and clutch then I clutch. and then I listened to uh, Pure Rock Fury. Pure Rock Fury is one yeah. of my favorites. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's that great. Yeah, that that's a really good album. Yep, love that one a lot. Uh, I listen to... Okay, button up, guys. It's about to get weird. I listen to copious amounts of typo negative. I listen to a whole bunch of Bauhaus, which is like an 80s goth band. <laughs> yeah. I really like Killing Joke, The Stranglers. I like a lot of late 70s punk rock, a little bit of 90s punk rock, um, an even smaller amount of 2000s punk rock. Uh, and it just gets weird. I don't listen to a whole lot of metal, although do I, I do crank a little bit of Slayer now and again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to think. Dead Can Dance. If you guys ever, like, if you're filing or doing file work, crank mm -hmm. up the Dead Can Dance, like uh, uh, Nibiru or something like that. I can't remember the name. They're weird. <laughs> Anyways, so there you go. Yeah, it gets strange. But uh, feel free to check all that stuff out. And you can be like, no wonder that cat's so messed up. <laughs> all right, next.
Jimmy Mac, this is a question for both Matt and Jim. Lucky for you, we're both here this episode. That's crazy. Having witnessed firsthand the amazing ability you both have when taking a piece of steel to a grinder and making it a fine cutting instrument out of it, I was wondering if either of you ever get a creative block, if you will, meaning do you ever get stuck on a piece and not know which direction to take it? And if so, what do you do to snap out of it? Keep up the great work, man. Loving the podcast. It makes New York City traffic almost bearable. <laughs> Thanks, cool. Jimmy Mag. That's Glad awesome. to help wherever we can. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I, I commonly get creative blocks. It'll be like every fifth or sixth knife that I do. I won't know what to do. So what do I do? I identify the problem area, completely erase it, and I'll just draw random lines. I, right. I'll just draw random lines and shapes until I see something that I like and then erase the rest. Start on a fresh piece of paper. Because, because that instead of overthinking it, you just scribble and engage and do something. Because the worst thing that you could do on anything in any philosophy of life is stagnate. Yeah. It's the worst thing that you could do. So that's what I do. I agree with you mm-hmm. up until the point that I'm actually a better grinder than drawer oh so, so I'm you, at, you just go cold i'll then, do it right? on the wheel and so if i'm stuck on a part like and i'll mm-hmm. draw it to get my dimensions and proportions right sure you know what i mean so i make like a blueprint of it but i'm at the mercy of a french curve not necessarily what is the natural <laughs> flow on that specific piece right and i'm not a master of the french curve so when there's something that, that hangs me up and i'm like that's just not right then i'll just i'll just mash it into some sort of spinning abrasive until it looks right <laughs> <laughs> i've done that yeah. we're close to right right yeah, in my I've eyes i've done that yeah. we, we answered a question similar to that before um, uh, uh, um, if we've ever just gone out into the shop and just ground on something till we till we got it, and, yeah. and we both have at some yep. point. I think we we answered that we both have at some point. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, what is the hardest grind for you to do? Ironically, hang on, this is where it gets good. Jim, you go first. Uh, the hardest grind for me to do, um, <laughs> right now, flat grinds, convex. Yeah. Is it you? Yeah, it's is the it? worst for me. It <laughs> I, is the absolute like, worst. I'm like, I'm like, blindfold me. I'll convex something. Yeah. How yeah. do you need it? Three quarter, no problem. Yeah, I but, can do flat grinds all day, but you get me convexing, <laughs> need, and it is day camp. Can I, yeah. Can I, I'll give you, I'll give you my arms if you give me your arms for a day. These arms do some weird stuff when nobody's looking, so just be aware. Jerry Bear, good answer. The last one, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What was your worst knife screw up, and how did you prevent it from happening again? Well, I didn't make that knife again after I messed it up, champ. <laughs> so this is Yancy Partier, uh, Partier. Maybe it's Partier, Partier, Partier. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, feel free to send us a. That is a good question, but yeah. I mean, honestly, it's it's pretty rare that we scrap a knife or get something. I'm sure it is with you too. Like it has yeah. to. You have to mm-hmm. go into full rage mode to ruin ruin a knife to where it's not it, even recuttable into it, a different it's, knife. It's it's totally true. And, yeah. and if we do have to recut it into a into a different knife, we'll either turn it into a shop knife and get like an actual practical usage out of it, or we'll turn it into a modified version of it and um, put it into the giveaway pile. We actually at Park River we actually have a small, very small it only has like five, ten knives in it at any one time. Um where where um, people will come in and they'll ask for a charity donation. Mm-hmm. And so customs like that typically go typically go to Perfect. that. Maybe and customs the wrong word, but no, I mean they're I mean they're customized knives, and they start out as one thing, but they wanted to be something else, and they are still a functioning, well finished product. Yep, they're just not standard, right? And so it's not something you market on the dealer's website, but it is something that you can use to raise money for charity, and it's a one off, and there's some collectability and to that. That's exactly what we do. Hundred percent with you. Uh, for me, I actually I made a dagger on my KMG when I very first got it, like the first week, and I was trying to hollow grind a dagger week one and uh, it made me so mad that i ended up shoving the entire dagger using a push stick into the spinning wheel until the whole thing turned into dust 
<laughs> and so yeah, like, I got mad and it went away. Right. And so that was uh, probably the worst knife screw up that I've ever had. That's funny. And uh, let's see, you guys sound like some serious collectors. What are your thoughts on how to manage a collection and not go overboard? When, how, why do you tell yourself no? So this is an interesting question. And I don't look. Some people are, are collectors. Collectors. They'll have. 50 of the exact same make and model of a knife, same everything. It's true. I've, I've, I've seen it a lot with slip joint guys. Yeah, and They're that's like, not yeah. really for me. They're like, I just grab every single one I see, and I like them. And I'm like, hey, you're killing the rest of us out here that right. want some of those. Right. So for me, what I like to do is I like to have a plan. I like to stick to my plan. I like World War II knives, um, maybe even bleeding as early, as late as Vietnam-era military knives. But don't ask me why. I don't have any history regarding that. I wasn't in World War II or the Vietnam conflict. So I just like the way that they're made. I like the materials that were used. I don't like synthetics. I like leather and I like metal. And I like various metals, brasses and steel. So that's what appeals to me. So what I do is I say, well, I want a Navy Mark II. I want a Navy Mark One. I. I want an M3, a V42, whatever it is. So I make my punch list, and usually it takes me about the a course of a year to acquire that. And I have that same kind of list for daggers. I have that same kind of, and it's not it doesn't have to be like written or formal, but I just kind of have a mental tally of what are the knives that I want. Certain makers, certain da- uh, design patterns, and certain eras. And so, and then certain functions for my utility knives. So that's how I list it out. I find it to be very manageable. But I am also not that big of a knife collector compared to some people that are mega collectors. Right, exactly. Uh, That's do, funny. Do you know of any so, European brands of grinders? Oh, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Did I step on you? Go ahead. I totally blocked you. So how do you manage your collection? Um, I kind of just buy what I want, and I really only have one of one of a thing. That that's 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 pretty much it. Um, I, I, I don't have a huge collection. I'm very practical. What you're looking at me like I'm an idiot? I'm, no, I'm looking <laughs> at you like you just walked into like a narcotics anonymous meeting and you're like i'm i drink too much coffee (laughs) these are real people man with real knife collecting problems i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't know how to support you i once ate a whole bag of skittles (laughs) you was a guy with a needle hanging out of his arm (laughs) (laughs) uh i'm I'm letting you guys down i'm sorry (laughs) um how do you not go overboard it's really easy do you already have this one? Is it necessary for you to buy it? Is it valuable for you to have that knife? Yeah, because there is the investment opportunity right? in knives also. Always have an extra exit strategy, and I, I really push that. Right, and, uh, and, and, and really that's just it. Just buy what you like, man. If you want to do one particular thing like the slip joint guys, then do that. Go ahead. There's no one stopping you except for, you know, uh, uh, go for it. Um, How do you keep from going overboard? Add knives to your monthly budget. You're doing a monthly bu- monthly budget, right? I know you are. Oh yeah, me too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I and I, I'm serious. If you really want to get into it and not go overboard, put money aside every month and in a savings account and call that. This is my knife account. I now have two hundred dollars in this knife account for cashing in my cans. That account is exactly what I have left after mortgage and electric. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> is after that, you're like, oh, knife budget. Yeah, no, yeah. I, actually, I don't spend that much on knives. No, I've got a little bit of a, a knife budget myself too. But I, lately, I've actually been using it to buy materials. So, um, yeah, that's the business. Control. To get into that. So, um, all right. Um, yeah, go on. Next question. question. Do you know of any European brands of grinders? Yes, Lino Desi out of Italy. Uh, I have not used one of his grinders. I do not own one of his grinders. I really want one of his grinders. So if you check out Lino Desi, L-I-N-O-D-E-S-S-I, he is out of Italy, and he 
make some of the most sophisticated Ferrari status grinders I've ever seen. And I really want to get my hands on one. Be, buckle up, though, for the system that I'm looking at. It's about 6 Gs, U.S. money. So I don't know what that is. Probably a lot more in euros. Um, check that out. Let's see. Hang on. And what's your favorite European traditional knife slash brand and why? Jim, I think you are more spun up on the Europe stuff, so I will let you answer this one. <clears throat> oh, man. Um, as far as fixed blades go, it would probably be fault even. Um, but they're made in Japan. But they're made in Japan. This is this is true. Uh, it's still still a European brand. It is. He, he no, did say European Swedish, brand. It is Swedish brand. It, it's Absolutely. a Swedish brand. Um, but uh, they make they do make really nice fixed blades. They really do. Um, as far My as My, I mean, yeah. Uh, if I, mm -hmm. dead serious guys, the Falcon even S one favorite knife. That's it. I, it? That's what <laughs> I take with me on every trip. That is always the knife that is with me. It's stuffed in an Almar sheath with a DC3 mm -hmm. and a fire steel duct tape to it. <laughs> that is my best knife in the world. Okay, that's cool. Um, you've also got um, uh, Sheffield, of course, for, for European brands. Are they, I mean, um, they're like a region. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it's a, well they, they were, there was a brand, wasn't was it? Was there? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there are knives out there, Mark Sheffield. Uh, I think English. that's just regional, though. Uh, I think that's well, just an exports thing. Is that, is that just an exports yeah, thing? Yeah, because like oh, Wilkinson man. Sword, William Rogers. Sure. Um, is it William Rogers? Joseph Rogers. Okay. And I think it's a William Rogers and a Joseph Rogers. Well, I guess that's a history segment we're going to have to cover. Yeah, we're going to have know, to cover Old Sheffield. Old Sheffield that versus, yeah. And then uh, uh, we've got uh, Lion Steel out of Italy. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Maniago. They've got like an entire cottage industry Good going call. on down there. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, one of one of the, the, the first, the, one of the first very expensive folders I got was a Lion Steel tie spine. They were the first guys to do a solid piece titanium handle nice. in a production size. It's for like 450 bucks, and it's a great knife. It really is. Nice. Yeah. What um, about uh, uh, Eric Frost uh, for Mora? Mora's. Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah, no. Mora's are great. I mean, you spend ten bucks on a knife, and the knife will last and do what you want it to. And 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 it's and it's at such a such a such a low price point that if it breaks, you just buy another one. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. and so you're you're not really out anything. You have to buy ten Mora's to get you know to get even close to one half. Knife, yeah. You know, half of uh, the price point of one of my knives. So. I mean, yeah, no, Mora's are great, man. So, next. Okay, next. Matt, how did you come up with the name and credo of your company, Vehement? Well, it's pretty simple. Originally, we were called Ridgeback Knives, and I believe Case has a Ridgeback knife model that was trademarked. And that trademark meant that we could potentially face litigation with Case later on, I think it was Case or Camillus. It may have even been Camillus at the Ooh. time, and so, but we, yeah. which I guess doesn't matter now, but uh, we would have had to potentially face litigation later on down the line. And at that point, I think we had like 150 followers on Facebook. Um, <laughs> now we're approaching like 8,000, so uh, which isn't many in the grand scheme of things, but it's a lot more than 150. So we thought about it, and it was brought to my attention by an attorney friend of mine, or at least a legally speaking friend of mine, and we said, let's take the high road, even though we could win in court. Uh, based on case law and all this other stuff because we had not that same knife trademarked, but mm -hmm. our knife brand was of a different trademark. Right. And so we said, okay, so we consulted our lucky paperback thesaurus, and vehement is a word that is used in my family's lexicon um, pretty frequently, even like my grandmother and stuff. I didn't know it was an archaic term mm -hmm. when we branded the company. Jenna actually selected out of the book. She goes, what about vehement? I said, 
Yes, I said that is awesome. Good call, babe. She had to make it all the way to the V's. And so um, <laughs> that's diligence. Man. So yeah, that's Jenna, diligence. Jenna chose the company name out of the like I said, we have a very lucky the source, which is another story for another time. But uh, yeah, so that's how we selected it, and how do we come up with live vehemently? Well, Jenna and I are both very passionate people, and we're we're pretty balls to the wall in the way we live our life and the things that we do, and we like to promote that, and we would like more people to get their asses off the lazy boy and get out wherever it is that you do things that you enjoy, whether it's the lake, the woods, the motorcycle on the open road, whatever it is, go do that stuff, and do it well, and do it with everything you've got, so it's pretty much our family's credo as well as our company's. Um, what are on your bucket list? Are there knives or makers on there? Uh, I take life as it comes and I don't necessarily have a bucket list, but I would like to see Devil's Tower on a motorcycle trip someday. Ooh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's you one go. of them. Yeah. That, that, you might actually be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty slick. It's on your bucket list, Jim. Um, I don't have a bucket list. My bucket list right now is just cranking out as many high quality knives as I possibly can. That's my go. bucket list. And I want to be able to, uh, I want to be able to break 40,000 a year. Ooh, knives. Manufacturing. I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to get it up to 50. I mean, and so that's my bucket list. The one after that, 60. <laughs> there you go. And, um, and of course, always folders. Yeah. Of yeah. Course, getting that, into the folders. I mean, that so, would be a big one. so it's really funny that my personal bucket list all revolve around business, but that's what I like to do. I like doing it. It's, it's, it's so much fun to me. No, that's your and, life, man. And, uh, it, it's, it's a good time. So yeah, there you go. I'd like to use a loveless drop point in public. <laughs> like a loveless, loveless drop point. Yeah. Oh, like a real one. <laughs> just like, like you just open up a bag of Doritos. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, I like blade. I want to peel an apple with it. I want to open a bag of Doritos. Right. I want to use it like the man himself. I want to bring intended. it. I want to bring it to our two star steakhouse in town and I want to cut some steak with it. I don't know about that. But yeah, I, yeah, I would use it for its intended purpose. It's a $10,000 knife. Yeah. Cutting this porterhouse. That's what I want to do. Uh, what Marvel character would you like to be and why? Oh, would you like to be? Yeah. Huh. Marvel, what Marvel character would I like to be? What Marvel character would I like to be? That's such a hard question for me. Because I'm, I'm a super nerd, right? So, rogue. <laughs> rogue? I'd like to be rogue. You touch people and steal their life force? You see, but I can't touch anybody <laughs> and I could still look like rogue in the mirror. You... <laughs> <laughs> I'd like uh, to be rogue. That's fair. That's fair enough. Um, I... I, I've always... Not like in that fucking... Sorry. Not no, like that, that, uh, what was his name from uh, Silence of the Lambs? Buffalo Bill. <laughs> not like in that sense. <laughs> I had to amend that. I just... <coughs> yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, just stop yourself right Next there. Next question. No, so... Um, <laughs> who, who would you like to be? I've always had a fascination with Wolverine. There you he's, go. He's, he's, he, was, he was my favorite, uh, my favorite superhero for a very long time because he's got a... He's got a great kind of dark personality that's a little sarcastic, especially when he starts drinking. I mean, and uh, but he's super honorable. He's got a big, long history. And, uh, man, those claws are just awesome. Yeah. I've got to say. Animation claws, awesome. man. It's pretty cool. No, I think that is a podcast. We will okay. come back to these <laughs> next week. I'm going to go spend some time with my bride. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is Matt Martin signing off for Jim Stewart. Have a fantastic week, gang. Yeah.